This is the Wild Crime Report for Monday the 5th of February 2024. I'm wildlife investigator Matt Durrant and boom, January is a distant memory. Much appreciated if you're now a four episode veteran of these reports. The listenership is growing every week and it's been great to get feedback on what people are enjoying and the sorts of subjects they'd like to know a bit more about. We'll be touching on one of those topics in the back of the report. But first, let's get into some information. Last Monday, a 37-year-old Brazilian woman was stopped by Colombian National Police at El Dorado International Airport in the capital, Bogota. Within her luggage, investigators found a large number of small plastic film canisters that contained 130 endangered poisonous dart frogs native to Colombia. Amongst the frogs were species including the harlequin poison frog, which is classified as critically endangered. News reports claim the woman stated that the frogs were given to her as a gift by a community in southern Colombia. Yeah, just your typical Colombian traditional offering of 130 poisonous dart frogs that can be highly toxic. Surprised they aren't selling them at the duty-free store on the way out. Good grief. Perhaps it has something to do with the fact that each frog could conservatively fetch anywhere from a few hundred to up to a thousand dollars if sold to exotic reptile buyers. Her intended journey was back to Sao Paulo, Brazil, but also included a transit stop via Panama, which could be incidental or could indicate that the frogs had another destination in mind. The woman has since been charged with wildlife trafficking offences. And the frogs, which were in poor condition, are being cared for, and latest reports in the press are that they may be returned to their origin, since they are endemic to Colombia. In India last week, a bail hearing for seven suspects accused of poaching a leopard and trafficking in leopard products saw a judge reject their bail application. The undated but recently conducted operation was carried out by the Caparata Forestry Department in the western Gujarat state of India. Acting on intelligence, the surveillance-led operation arrested the Sneaky Seven, accusing them of being a trafficking network actively hunting leopards to sell their parts to the illegal trade in big cat species. Amongst the evidence, investigators seized one leopard skin specimen and some additional claws. It's positive to see a judge acknowledging the seriousness of this sort of organised criminal activity as it pertains to wildlife crime. Too often do wildlife criminals get a soft touch when it comes to court processes, which can remove the deterrent element in detracting would-be traffickers. South Africa now. And last Monday, three men and a woman were arrested at separate raids conducted by the South African Police Services, or SAPS. Acting on intelligence related to a rhino poaching incident, the SAPS responded by deploying to a location within Limpopo province early in the morning. The police identified two vehicles travelling from a local farm as they stopped at a toll gate that services traffic between the two provinces of Limpopo and Gautang. To give you an idea of the location, this is only about two hours north of the city of Johannesburg. But before police could get to the occupants of the first vehicle, a white Kia, a man and woman did the bolt, leaping out of the vehicle and making for some nearby bushes. It's always hard to know in these instances if the crooks are that fast or the police are that slow. Anyway, in doing so, the man and woman abandoned their friend, a third person, who remained in the Kia, along with one rhino horn that was found in the vehicle wrapped in tinfoil. 
This use of tinfoil is a common technique by poachers in the event that a horn they are transporting contains any sort of chip or transmitting device that game park authorities or private zoo owners are known to insert into the horns of rhinos. The police didn't call it quits that morning, mind you. They rallied, and with additional support, they were able to locate the female runaway at around 10pm later that same day. Her male accomplice, however, as of the timing of this report, is believed to still be at large. The second vehicle that was seen at the toll that morning, a Chevrolet Motor Spark, was successful in evading capture. However, Saps didn't stop there. They managed to locate it later that day in a residential premises in Sky City, which is a suburb south of Johannesburg City. Two men were arrested, and evidence obtained at this residential premises included a hunting rifle and ammunition that, surprise, surprise, was all unlicensed. Also seized as evidence were knives, suspected to have been used to cut rhino horn. It's an all-too-common event in South Africa, but very good work by a large task force of police to respond so quickly and then persevere in apprehending a majority of the gang. Given the evening of the 28th, 29th of January was somewhere between a three-quarter and full moon, you can imagine police were already on alert. It's always around full moons that anti-poaching and wildlife protection teams tend to be on the ready, as the brighter nights make it easier for poachers to roam the game reserves in a more stealthy fashion. Now you've probably already noticed during the wild crime reports that we touch a lot on rhino horn poaching events or seizures. I'm going to close off today to elaborate a little bit more on the rhino horn trade. I appreciate that many people listening may already know a lot about this shady business and much of this is already old hat. Poaching and profiting off rhinos has been occurring for decades and Rhinos themselves are usually the first animal people think of when they hear the phrase illegal wildlife trade, along with perhaps elephants and more recently pangolins. However, some feedback I've gotten from a couple of listeners is to touch a little more on what's driving this trade and how it operates beyond the poaching of rhinos in Kruger Park or private farms by armed gangs. Firstly, I'm going to make it clear that there is an overwhelming amount of material on this already. The United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime consistently put out reports on the illegal wildlife trade, including rhino horn, and it details the main drivers and current dynamics. There are countless books and documentaries produced on the subject, and of course, many NGOs operating globally who document what evidence they're gathering in the field. An NGO I work with, the Wildlife Justice Commission, itself provided a global assessment in 2021 based on several years of work investigating multiple criminal networks operating between Asia and Africa. These networks, and I've worked on many of them myself alongside other investigators, traffic serious high volumes of rhino horn and other illegal wildlife products, like ivory. I'll provide some of these links to those of you who are following me on the Substack channel. I think it's important to point out that rhino poaching and trafficking isn't just confined to South Africa. Mozambique is a key player as it borders Kruger Park, where the largest number of southern white rhinos reside. However, many other countries within southern, central and east Africa have rhino populations, both white and black rhino species. And it shouldn't be forgotten that rhino poaching occurs in Asia, wherever Asian rhino species reside, be it in India and Nepal or even down in Indonesia. Just 10 days ago, a female one-horned rhino was poached in 
Kazaranga National Park in northern India, with no suspects identified or arrested as yet. But what is driving this trade? Well, for many years, the finger has usually been pointed at traditional Chinese medicine, or TCM. TCM has commonly prescribed ground rhino horn in a variety of ailments. The horn itself is a natural protein called keratin, which we humans have in our nails. And it's been suggested for everything from curing cancer to erectile dysfunction. However, most investigations in recent years, and certainly the ones I've been privy to, have gathered evidence that the demand for rhino horn is driven in its value as a luxury commodity item. Jewellery, bespoke ornaments, or even crockery such as libation cups for drinking. Just think of it in practical terms, from the view of a trafficker wanting to make money. If an average sized front horn is, say, 5 kilograms, indeed, it could be converted to 5 kilograms of powder that becomes part of the TCM production line and sold at retail in small, possibly unmarked capsules or sachets to customers. But that is a much longer journey from wholesale broker to end user, and the profits are shared by all the people along that chain. Unlike a 5 kilogram front horn that is processed immediately by a skilled artisan craftsman, who can make multiple carved items like bracelets and pendants that could fetch up to 7,000 US dollars each, or a carved teapot and teacup set worth well over 20,000 US dollars. Trafficking networks can see a much bigger profit if they can tailor it to the increasing Asian upper middle class that prize themselves on such a show of wealth. And this is where, outside of conservation and law enforcement, Efforts need to be continued in terms of driving generational change. They call it demand reduction, and there are plenty of NGOs and governments leading the charge. But only then will the real impetus in the rhino horn trade see a decline in the demand for these goods. And the killing of rhinos and unfortunate deaths of people on the front line will only continue when that profitability falls. The risk has to outweigh the reward. And that is the Wild Crime Report for this week. I'm Matt Durrant. Until next time, stay wild and keep the animals there too.